0: All right, then our remaining portion would be Genesis 21. These are um, connective themes. They're not necessarily in sequential order, but is the birth of Ishmael and the birth of Isaac. So in 21 it says this, Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abram, Abraham in his old age, and at the appointed time in which God had spoken to him, so Abraham called his son, who was born to him, who Sarah bore to him, Isaac, and Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was uh, eight days old, as God has commanded him. Now Abraham was one hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him, and Sarah said, "God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me." And she said, "Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would have, would nurse children?" Yet I have borne him a son in his old age, and the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, mocking. Therefore she said to Abraham, "Drive out this maid and her son, for the son of uh, for the for this son of the maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac." And the matter greatly distressed distressed Abraham uh, because of his son and god said to abraham do not be distressed because of the lad and your maid whatever sarah tells you to do listen to her for th- for through isaac your descendants shall be named and of the son of the maid i will make a great i will make a nation also because he is your descendant so abraham rose early in the morning took bread and a skin of water and gave them to hagar and put them on her shoulder and gave her the boy and sent her away and she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba and the water in the skin was used up and she left the boy under one of the bushes and when the water in the skin was used up she left the boy under the bushes and she went and sat opposite him about a bowshot away for she said do not let me see the boy die and she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept wept And God heard the lad crying, and the angel of the Lord called to Hagar from heaven and said, What is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him by the hand, and I will make a great nation of him. And God opened up her eyes, and when she saw the well of water, she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. God was with the lad, and he grew, and grew, and he lived in the wilderness and became an archer. And he lived in the wilderness of Padron, and, her mo- and his mother took a wife from him from the land of Egypt. And then we'll stop there, and we'll open in our meeting in a word of prayer. Our Father, we just ask, as we look into your word, that you would open our eyes, that, we might sh- uh, that you might show us wondrous things from your law. In Lord Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so in our lesson uh, for this week, it's somewhat of a step back as far as when when this happened but it's a combination of two different stories one is the story of the bondwoman the birth of the bondwoman which this term comes from uh you can read about this in galatians this actually is uh, applied to the christian life or to uh to a freed woman and being in slavery, but the the son of the bondwoman and the son of promise. But this is a real-life event. And um, if you haven't had the time uh, to actually look through the life of Abraham, his life is very interesting. He's called uh, the man of faith, but he he's an example, so says Hebrews 6, for those who would live after faith. He's uh, uh, The writer of Hebrews says this to encourage the believers. He says, be imitators of these people. Be imitators of these men of faith, these women of faith. Because through faith and patience, they inherited the promises. And so when God promises something to us, does He promise things to us today? Absolutely. Right? These weren't just for these uh, uh, individuals sent, you know, uh, centuries ago, thousands of years ago. No, He has promises to us. How do we obtain the promises? Through patience and through faith, right? So be imitators. So Abraham, what i like to do before we get to it, because his life to me, is he's one of my heroes as far as the Bible goes, because he's just a normal guy. He had his weaknesses. But, but just looking at him like that, that's great. But what's most uh, uh, interesting and what God would want us to reveal is God reveals his self and his character to us right because when abraham fails god's compassion comes in right and 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 god's promises would not would not uh would not uh fail but also um each individual person is different i'm different uh my dad's david's different and melissa's there. everybody's different the way god deals with different people is totally different he just doesn't deal with somebody the same way so god it shows to me how god can be a teacher and how god can correct and how God can bring somebody along and nurture them. Abraham was an example like that. Um, but as you know, back in um, 12, there's this promise to, to leave his country, leave his relatives. But actually, this happens when he's in his land of his birth, Ur the Chaldees. While chapter 11 chronicles his journey from that, but actually this happens when he's in there. And it's not until this is an interesting point. It's not until Terah, his father, dies, that he actually leaves Haran and he comes into the land of Canaan. And um, you know, the father. There's some implication that the father was in the way, but eventually he leaves. Um, he leaves this country. He follows what the Lord has asked up until a certain point. There's a there's a somewhat of an obedience, right? He doesn't completely separate himself from his relatives. Not until chapter 13, when he leaves Lot but there's this progression right and and right when he gets in the cane and guess what happens <laughs> and as we look as we're as we're believer you know as we're offering uh as we present the gospel to people we don't tell them that well you know you're going to have the greatest and and as as there is a false gospel out there well you're going to have lots of money you're never going to get sick you're never going to have hard times quite different right and and what it is, is God is nurturing, and, and as Abraham is an example, and teaching and bringing him closer and training Abraham, but he's training us as well. Right off the bat, he gets in the land. You think, wow, this is going to be great, right? Here's the land God's going to give me. What happens? Famine. Hardship. What does Abraham do? This is the, I mean This is something that we can learn from. He leaves the land, the place where God told him to go, he leaves the place of blessing, and he leaves it. And does that have, does that have ramifications? Whether I make choices for, for, for good or whether I make bad choices, there's consequences for both. There were definite consequences because of Abraham's choice to go to Egypt. We hate, we see in this chapter that there is a person, while we don't want to make her into some kind of cartoon character because she is a real life person, but she comes from that experience. Hagar, Egyptian maid. But Abraham, um, he he, uh, he he leaves Egypt and there's this interaction with Pharaoh Pharaoh takes his wife and it's almost like you're holding his, your breath because you know is he going to go into Hagar, uh, go into Sarai and I might use these two terms interchangeably, but his name is Abram at this point, but Abraham is also going to be his name's changed, so if I use them both, you forgive me Sarai and Sarah, I might use those interchangeably, but Sarah um, is miraculously God protects. Right? God protects his uh, descendants because you know, God gave him a promise, but yet here's Abraham throwing it away, so to speak. But God brings him out. But there is going to be a lesson learned because what does it say? Abraham went back to the place where he began. And sometimes when we go through our life's experiences and there's hardship and we fall down, what is it that we come back to? We come back to the gospel, right? the place where we were brought in to the gospel the we preach our, we preach the gospel to ourselves every day abraham went back to that place where he came into the land the altar where it says it says that uh uh it says that in that in god's word that he went back to that first altar when he came into the land he worshiped god right he came back uh there's a fellowship restored and then immediately after uh the very next chapter there's a splitting because there's too much uh um, there's too much possessions. The land can't sustain him and his brother. And we see Abraham putting before his own, what he wants, his brother, right? And so that's a lesson for us, right, is to, to, to as, as we interchange uh, inter, uh, with different believers, right, is not to offend, right, and to put others before ourselves. That's what Abraham does. He gives him the choice uh, to Lot. Lot ends up leaving, and there's a there's a sense of timing too, and if we meet, if we simply read over this and miss these details, you know, we learn something uh, about timing when we read the details. Lot lifts up his eyes. What's the difference with Abraham? God tells him now to lift up your eyes. And there's a lesson in patience. So there's a separation. Lot goes towards the cities of Sodom in the valley, which was very nice, which is very lush, very. Um, uh, Something where he can uh, make his living and to his own intellect seem like the place where he should be. Is that the place where God wanted? No, of course. It's not because there's, they're very sinful and there was a temptation there. But um, And Abraham lives in the land and sojourns around and travels around in the land of Canaan. After which, um, there's this war. And in chapter 14, well, if if... Abraham can't, won't uh, leave the land. Well, it's, it's almost as if, you know, there's some force pushing him to try to bring him back by force, back to the land of Mesopotamia, right? Because this army that comes was from his homeland. They came back and to conquer the land of Canaan. And it says that they completely obliterated the entire armies, right? They conquered uh, uh, the Negev, the, the lower region, the place where um, the Edomites will eventually be, the Amalekites—they they conquered the entire land, and then they took with them the entire goods. That's the spoils of war. And from that, Abraham learns that his his relative has been taken. Again, he 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 hears that his relative is in danger. He goes out to him, not just to sit by. And stand and, and well, there's nothing more I can do, brother. I'll pray for you. No, he goes out to him, right? And he goes and rescues him, and and of course at this time uh, Abraham has been told, "You're going to get this land." Here comes a test, right? Here comes another test. We had one when uh, uh, with the famine. Here comes another test with well, he's delivered the entire possessions, the entire uh, as it were riches of the land is abraham going to take it maybe he's thinking in his mind well this is it god's delivered it to me well you know it says that the king of sodom comes out to meet him but before that there's just a couple verses about this man melchizedek and it says and melchizedek and so god intervenes right he sends his servant melchizedek and he brings memorials he reminds abraham listen it's not you that got this victory its possessor. He learns a new term, by uh, a new attribute of God, and he learns this this uh, name. It says, "Possessor of heaven and earth." He didn't know God before that, as that he he was God Almighty to him. But now he's possessor of heaven and earth, of uh, Abraham, God Most High, possessor in heaven and earth. Did that equip Abraham for the test to come? Absolutely, because then the king of Sodom says, "Take the goods for yourself. Give me the people." Right. Here's the temptation: God's promised me the land. Am I going to be patient and wait on him or am 'm going to take it for myself? right? Am I going to wait for God to bring it about, or am' I going to take it in my own hands and my own power? He says, no, thank you, right He denied He passes that test and he learns that God is the possessor of heaven and earth when he 's going to fulfill the promises, that's when it's going to come and then fifteen, there's another uh, word of the Lord that there's a more direct uh, revealing of what God as and this is an interesting point too As as Abraham becomes more and more faithful and or, or or practices more faith in the sense that he believes god there 's further revelation and that 's something for us right You wonder sometimes why some Christians never grow because they stay in this state of you know being maybe young in the lord well there's there 's not enough faith practiced and there 's not enough light revealed because they uh, they haven 't uh, shown that but abraham is an example to us too as as we're growing right we're we're giving ourselves to god to to uh to to work with to work on us and to turn things over to him and as we do that he reveals more more uh, more more and more light to us the same was with abraham and so he tells him that you're going to have a son but it's going to come from your own body it's not going to be somebody that you think is going to be heir. it's going to come from your own body at this point he's about 86 years old and so we come to 16, and immediately right off the bat, you would think, um, here it comes, you know, here comes another test. And 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 this, I, I labeled this first section as a test of patience. We had a test of, of will God provide with the famine, and then we had a test of maybe this is me to take the the land by force, right? Here's the possessions. God's delivered it to me, the entire land's possessions. Uh, no, Abraham puts it aside. But here comes the test of patience. And so verse uh, 1, it says that... And notice what it says here. Sarah, uh, you know, it, it, it states the fact. Sarah, Abraham's wife, born him no children. But she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. And so there's an identification. Well, it's going to come through your wife. But see here... It, it says here in verse 2, it says, Now behold the Lord, Sarah says to Abraham, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my, my maid. Perhaps I will attain children through her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. And, you know, we go through this Christian life and, and we have the discernment. The Holy, the Holy Spirit gives us the discernment to say, God has prevented me from doing something. Or he's withhold something from my hand. And, and what is it that I'm going to do now about it? You know there was a time I can I think of my own uh, experience you know there was a time where there was a promotion that wasn't mine and it just seemed like something that I couldn't grab at and yet I I deserved it and I just remember you know it was such a bitter experience and and the Lord you know the Lord showed me something about himself and being uh, joyful in him and you know I wasn't ready for certain uh responsibilities and the stuff that it went involved but you know the Lord's prevented me. She knew it that the Lord was preventing him, but what was the reaction? Well, let's weigh on the Lord. No, it doesn't say that. It says, go into my maiden. Abraham was just as in part of this as Sarai Sarah was, but let's go and let's, let's speed things up a little bit. Does that have consequences, whether good or bad choices? Absolutely, right? And so the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. It's a test of patience. As we read in Hebrews 9, it says that be imitators of those who by faith and patience inherited the promises. And so here's something, and it's, it's amazing that the Lord allows him to go through this, right? Um, the Lord could have stopped this as he stopped the the failure at Egypt with, with Pharaoh. There's another failure failure that we're going to read about. Um, actually, we already passed it, but uh, with he has the same experience, not only he had in Egypt, where he said, you know, he came into the land, he said, no, this is my sister, you know, repay the kindness. I don't think God's going to be able to protect me. He didn't, this is not in the word, but that's what he's that's what he's saying. He's saying they're going to kill me because you're so beautiful. He says, "Tell him you're my sister. Let me go well with me." He does this again in Gerar with Abimelech, but here again, God doesn't. He allows this to happen. Right? There's a lesson going to be learned. There's going to be patience uh, taught. So Abraham goes into Sarah uh, to Hagar, Sarai's maid, and. This is 10 years after all this has happened when he came into the land. And so uh, in the middle of his experience, this is not something where the Christian life where we we stop growing and God is moving and God is working in our life. This is something all the way until the day that we die or the day we go up into the Lord that God is going to work. And we have that promise. It says that he who began this work will complete it until the end. And so this is a constant thing that um, God was working on Abraham this man of faith. And so it's a test of patience. We learn that while God might pre- be preventing something from, uh, from us, right, He might be holding something back, but it's something that we've got to look past and not get irate and not say, well, we've got to take matters in our own hands and to think, what is God showing us in this situation? But back to our story is that He went in and through fleshly means, He took it upon Himself and He, he went into Hagar and then she conceived. But what happens? Here's where the consequences start. Because from this, um, you know, the minute you start going down this road of sin, right, and, and, and consequences start happening, what happens immediately? Well, his wife is despised. Every time Hagar was around, because now it becomes, you know, she became Abram's wife, his mistress, but every time, every time his wife, Sarah, was around Abraham, Abraham's direction and love and attention went to Hagar. Why? Because now she has the child, right? Uh, That's the way that this system worked, right? The the women who had the children, they spent the husband spent most time with them because they thought, well, I'm going to have sons, and I'm going to have people that I can pass on my possessions. You know, the things that I'm doing in my life, I'm not doing it for nothing. I got to pass it on to somebody, and so that's what happens. Uh, Sarah. Uh, notices this immediately as women are attuned to these kind of things, they made the wrong done to me be upon you, right? Right off the back, uh, he, he, he she comes to him, says, I gave my maid into your arms, and she saw that when she had conceived, I was despised in your sight. May the Lord judge between me and you. And so when we go down these paths, uh, whatever choices were made, good or bad, there's consequences, right? That's, that's the lesson for us. And there's strife in the household already, right? Abraham made this choice. And without him, you know, doing anything, there's just following the flesh, uh, there's consequences. And and B, and, and and this is for me too, but be prepared that the choices that you made, there's going to be consequences. And the Lord might not spare you from some of them, as he didn't spare Abraham from this. But then Abraham makes this. Now, to me, it seems like an unwise choice because he just says, go ahead, she's in your power to do whatever you want, Right. And so what is she going to do? with well, the frustration that she has from her own marital problems, she's going to take it out now on Hagar. And so Hagar, um, we're going to look at our next thing, is we have this interaction with God and Hagar. But this is, uh, I titled this, the next three are about the Lord. It's the God who sees and the God who seeks uh, or seeks. And so uh, Sarah treated her harshly. She runs from her presence and it says this in 17 and it's very interesting because he also she also has this interaction with the angel of the lord in 21 but it's from a different place it says that the angel lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness on the spring on the way to shore. As if God is looking around for her, right? That's the picture. Can God see everything? Or can anybody hide from the Lord? No. It says in Hebrews that all things are laid bare before his eyes. But as if, here's, here's Hagar running away from her life, not really looking for anything, just trying to get away from the problem, and there's God going after her, right? That's a picture, that's a real testimony, that's a praise uh, to our God, right? That he goes after people. He's seeking. And it says he found her. He found her by this place, uh, spring of water, this place of life. And the question is interesting, too. It says, Hagar, this is the, uh, the angel of the Lord speaking, where have you come from and where are you going? And, and oftentimes we read about God having these conversations. As if he doesn't know the answer, he does know the answer. But what is it that he wants? He wants people uh, to, he, he's moving people to get them where they need to be, right? Humble before him, as he asks uh, Adam, Adam, where are you? As he's walking through the garden after that sin happened. It's not that, you know, some bushes could have hid from, from the Almighty, right? No, he knew where, he knew where uh, Hagar came from because he was looking for her. But he says, where have you come from and where are you going? Where is it that you're trying to get away to? You're trying to run from your problems, you know, come back to me. You know, that's, te- that's the application for us. Sometimes when we have these hardships, we're like, ah, I'm getting out of here as quick as I can, right? Things aren't going right. I'm going to run right things are not going good at the church you know i have some disagreements with some people i'm going somewhere else but what happens when you leave somewhere you know generally your problems are coming with you right you're not it's it's not the problems with other people sometimes it's within it's within you know we got to look within and it, that's the general reaction is when the light shine upon me i'm going to run to the corner and i'm going to kick and punch and do everything to get it out from away from me right and so the human reaction is to get away but the Lord says where have you come from and where are you going And she's honest she says I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarai you know I was Sarai's maid I am Sarai's maid but I'm fleeing from it and and such gracious words it says it says return to your mistress and submit her to your uh, to her authority right there's a command she does do this but there's a promise too that I will greatly uh, multiply your descendants that they'd be too many to count and so there's a description of this, of this boy that's going to be born to Hagar. And it says here, interesting, that he's going to be a... My, my translation says this. It's a wild donkey of a man. As if somebody that is so stubborn, right? And just kicks back at everything. And that's, that's a description of this. But he's going to be a great nation. He's going to leave, live to the east of all his brothers. He's just going to be somebody that doesn't want to deal with anybody. He's going to go to the east of all his brothers. And... This is where we get this uh, section from in verse 13. And uh, she, uh, because this is an an experience where she actually sees him. This is not something where she doesn't not see the angel of the Lord. But it says this. It says, Thou art a God who sees. For she said, Have I even remained here after seeing him? And, you know, Sometimes we think as we're going through these uh, hard problems, and you know nobody sees what's going on in my life. You know God doesn't care about me. I don't know if He ever said that. God doesn't care what's going on with me. You know He doesn't see me at work and the way people treat me, or you know they don't. He they don't see the way my brother and sister. You know what they do. You know my parents don't see it, and they're not giving me justice. You know God doesn't see this. God does see, right? And it says here that Thou art a God who sees. And, and interesting. Not only does he see, but he wants to be seen. He wants to have interaction with us. It says, have I even remained here after seeing him? She understood that she was not in a right by leaving too. But here's God that appears to her. And here she is still alive. The compassion of God, right? Have I even remained here after seeing him? Have I even remained alive? You know, I should have been swept away. But it says, you know, reveals the compassion of our God. Having even remained alive here after seeing him, and then significant as often as we're going through this book, the places, certain places uh, in the Bible, they have meaning, right? Bethel, the house of God. We get that from Jacob later. We're going to find out where he met, uh, where the the ladder is. But um, but here um, it says here in verse 14 that the wells called Beer Lahai Roy. Which liter- Which literally means the well of the li- living one who sees me, so while she was looking for life, she went to the well right in the desert, there's no life, she goes to a place where she think is life, she doesn't find it, the living one finds her there, right and so the living the well of the living one who who sees me, and so while she's looking around for life, she finds it in the living one, not in a well, but she finds it in the living one and so we're moving right along. We'll try to get through most of this. But in verse 21, we'll start right away. Um, the Lord took note. This is chapter 21. This is God, the God who is active. It says, The Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he has promised. So, you know, this is at least 25 years. we got to put this in a, in our own minds as a time frame, that Abraham was given these promises at 75. It's not until 25 years later that the, the promises of a son, and he starts seeing God moving. Right, he in one of his experiences in, with God, when God come to me, to to meet with him, he's you know God tells him these promises. He said, Abraham says, "How will I know that I'm going to inherit these things?" What does Abraham see? It's something that doesn't make sense to us, but in that day, um, it was. The, the flame in the oven passing between the dead animals, right? That was a picture of a covenant. But Abraham had no part in that covenant. He was asleep. If deep sleep fell upon him, it was God that was going to be enacting. It was God going to bring it about. And this is testimony of it, that God uh, is going to bring about these promises. But the Lord took note of Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised Promise. You know, God is looking over his word, and he is ever watching that he is going to perform it. It says this in Jeremiah that um, at the beginning there's this rod of and is almonds, and and the picture of is that the Lord says, I am watching over my word, and I am going to perform it. God is going to perform what he says. And so, you know, as we read the word of God and as we view sometimes what's going on in the world, we'll say, Man, things look like they're going to be out of control. How can God allow this evil to happen? Is, is, is things going to work out? You know, we start maybe taking matters in our own hands. You know, certain groups uh, you know, in Christendom will take matters in our own hands and they try to accelerate God's kingdom, so to speak, and they try to go out and conquer things and say, we need to accelerate God's plan. No. God is going to do it. He's watching over His Word to perform it. You can count on it. Right as he did, this is testimony of it he watched he took notice Sarah and he did as he has said and we can count on God the everlasting God to 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 perform His things that He promised in our own life right He is faithful we need to remain faithful to Him and that's one through eight and we'll go to the next one and there's we won't spend too much time on this even though it is a big section but um, there's these two uh, boys, you know, I, we don't want to make them too much of a caricature because they're real people, but there's the heir of promise being Isaac. There's the son of the bondwoman being Ishmael. Um, but there's two different, you know, there's two differences here, and they're complete separate categories. Um, one is, uh, let's read in verse uh, 9. Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, who she had born to Abraham, mocking the son of the bondwoman, the, 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 those who are of the flesh, are always going to persecute those who are of promise, right? And you can see that even as the Christians, how they were treated in, in, in the early stages of the church, right? Those who are of the flesh, of the bondwoman, it says this in, in uh, Galatians 4, they persecuted those who are the heirs of promise, and the early church was persecuted to, by no, probably by, by probably by the worst. You know, we think of the atrocities of the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages and things. But um, the the Jewish the Jewish uh, the Israelites, right? Those of the Jewish religion persecuted the church, right? Saul was a big uh, proponent of this in, the, in his beginning stages before he was converted. But persecuting the son of uh, the son of the bond one persecutes the heir of promise. So that's one thing that we notice. Um, there's going to be persecution, but drive out this maid and her son, for this son shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. And so there's going to be an eventual separation, right? Those who have the promises are going to inherit it by those who are faithful to God, right? Those who God would enact it, right? God is the one that enacted. God is the one that enabled Sarah to have the child, her and uh, Abraham, and so. Isaac is the one that's going to inherit the promises, not the son of the bomb woman, but also the 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 son of the bomb woman is driven out. Right? They have no inheritance with the son of the promise, and so that shows us too that you know the inheritance, uh, the promises that God is given to us is not something that we obtain by the works of the flesh, by not something that we uh, uh, as uh, you know as many prayers as we say or as many. Churches we plant, you know, it's those who inherited by faith, right? Um, By faith we inherit those things, not the works of the flesh. There's a separation, right? The 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 son of the bondwoman is driven out eventually, even though they're allowed to live together for a little bit. They're allowed to live together at least, it would seem, um, a couple years. But that's that section. Then finally, we'll go to two more. One more is another interaction with the angel of the Lord. And Hagar, But um, in verse 15, you know, she's driven out uh, because uh, at Sarah's request, but the Lord says this is something that is um, accordance to what is my will because your descendants are going to be named. But don't worry about her because Abraham's worried. I mean, how would you feel about sending out your son? You know, go out into the wilds, you know, but God's going to take care of the son. And so Abraham was a little hesitant, but this time he's told to listen to his wife. Uh, Sarah when before he didn't even consult with God and he listened to her when they decided to have this child by Hagar but um, she goes out and into the wilderness again you know we see this this uh, when you're out there in the flesh right when you're out there sinning where are you in the wilderness right these these places are not just here for our learning right or are not just here just because they're a story where they're at are very interesting. You know, the works of the flesh out there in the wilderness, just wandering about, no direction, right? Um, but in our story, um, she eventually the water and the provisions that she was given when she left the house run out. And she already had this interaction with the angel of the Lord, but she puts the boy away because, you know, this is it. You know, I'm going to see the boy die. We're, we're running out. She doesn't want to see him, so she puts him far away, you know, a point to where she can still see him, but a bow shot away, it says. And then she heard, that it says that the angel of the Lord, uh, God heard the lad crying. It says God enacted. God was moved in heaven to now intermingle, or, or now to interfere into the, wor- uh, into the world of men. It says this uh, in, in Psalms, we know this quite well. It says, what is man that thou art mindful him, or the son of man that thou visit him? Who is man that your thoughts would be directed towards, in, in other words? Or who is man that you would to uh, interject into his affairs? You know, God didn't leave man to just uh, uh, to self-destruct, right? He interjected, right? He interjected at a, at a point in time to redeem them and to where he could maximize the glory to himself. But um, God heard the voice, uh, heard the lad crying, and it says to him, it says that the angel. It says that the angel of the Lord spoke to her from heaven. He's speaking, so it's not an interaction face to face anymore. It's from heaven. She knew who it was. It Says, uh, "What's the matter with you, Hagar? Arise. There's another command. Rise. Uh, take the boy by the hand, and um, I will make him a great nation." And she provides, uh, God provides for uh, Hagar and the boy, and she sees a well of water. And so God hears, right? And God hears our prayers. Even though it's it's you know it might be uh, in a place where there's nobody else listening, or maybe it's in our head, and and there's something that's come up and it's very sudden. God hears those prayers. I often quite think of of Peter when he's you know he's out to go meet the Lord when he's at the when he's on the boat, right? There's just a short prayer, but how important was it when he starts thinking, "Lord, save me!" Boom, and the Lord pulls him right out, right? Just a short prayer, "Lord, save me," and the Lord. Uh, gets involved in peter's life and then finally we didn't read this but this will be our last portion and i thank you for allowing me to go a little bit over but i think this is a a good point to end on it is the everlasting god um you know these promises you know that's great you know i I might promise you you know i'll use david as an example david when i die david i'm going to give you one million dollars and (laughs) you guys are laughing right because you know it's not you know i'm not worth that much but there's something behind the fact that who's you know it's not just the promise. The promise is great, right? One million dollars. David's like, wow, I can you know move out and you know what you know whatever else he's he's thinking about doing with that amount of money. But who's the source of the promise? And and David starts considering. Well, let's see. He he makes you know this amount of in the year, and he lives in a condo, and he drives. The Chevy Cavalier, you know, for the past eight years. I don't think he has that much money. And, you know, he starts understanding, well, he's not able to do certain things. But, you know, Abraham understood that God has made a promise that it's going to last forever. And if it lasts forever, God must be forever. And so here's this interaction with these two Gentiles that are living in Abraham's land, and it's uh, Bimelech and Phicol, and it's interesting that it 's the political power and the military power, Fecolds being his commander, and they understood listen, and they, this is not the first interaction that Abraham had with him. He understood that listen, God is with you, you know make a covenant with me. you know this is, I think this is a precursor of what israel 's going to be like in the millennium. It says in the millennium that that there's going to be nations, right, still around, and they're going to grab one Jew. Ten people are going to grab one Jew, and they're going to say, take us to, you know, take us to Jerusalem. We heard the Lord's there. And this is what Abimelech's doing. He's trying to latch on. He understood that God is working in, in, in Abraham's life. Abraham is just following the Lord. Abraham does not have the biggest army. Abraham does not have the most uh, wealth, even though he is wealthy. It's God that's working in his life. He says, make a covenant between me and you. And where this covenant happens is at this well called Beersheba, which there's a couple of translations. One is the well of sevens or something like that, but I think it's the well of covenant. And, and after this happens, that they make this covenant between each other, uh, uh, Abraham and these two Gentiles, Abimelech and Phicol, and they leave. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba. And it says here, he calls on the name of the Lord various times. It says here specifically, Abraham called the name of the Lord, The everlasting God. He starts seeing these promises that God has promised to him come true, right? And God gives him a little taste. He's like, look, I'm going to to finish this with you, Abraham. I'm going to see this to the end. You might not be here. He will be resurrected one day, right? Because it says, I'm going to give this land to you, not just to your descendants, to you. So Abraham will be resurrected and have possession in that land. But i'm going to give it to you abraham you might be dead and gone but i'm going to see it through right the everlasting god and so abraham and to us to us uh to us today is that we can rest in the everlasting god and maybe the lord won't come back in our lifetime maybe the lord won't come back in 100 years i don't know right but we can trust that one day we will be with the lord if you know the lord jesus christ as your savior your body might be in the in 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 the in the ground right now you might have relatives too You know, their bones might be completely, uh, completely decayed, but the everlasting God will come back and he will uh, enact and he will um, uh, progress his promises and he will do them. And so we leave our hero of faith here in, in 34. Abraham sojourned in the land of Philistines for many days. And so what motivated Abraham to keep going in the Christian life? The everlasting God. What motivates me and you to keep living? Not just, you know, Christian friends and fellowship. That's great. You know, that is very important. But it's the everlasting God. And so make sure that your your focus, right, and your attention, your faith is placed in God, the everlasting God, because he is the one that gives you success. He is the one that will enable you to live the Christian life. He is the one that enabled Abraham To live, uh, to keep sojourning in the land where it wasn't, there was no resources. It wasn't his own land, but he went on living in that land because he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And so let's close in a word of prayer.